I don't think about 40,000 kilometers. I don't even think about 75 kilometers, which I will do daily. My main focus is actually on a 15 minutes. Then my brain releases a bit of dopamine. I'm the winner. I can keep running again. That was Thomas Drybala, and this is episode 96 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Thomas Dribala is a 44-year-old flow and mindful running teacher who's planning to run the circumference of the earth over 40,000 kilometers before 2025 while raising money for UNICEF. Although Thomas has been running recreationally for 20 years, his foray into the extreme distances came more recently after hitting his own rock bottom and subsequently struggling with mental health. A chance encounter with a snake helped him discover active meditation and flow, which he now teaches to others through his workshops and book called Flow Up, due out in January 2023. The book's tagline, Get Rid of Anxiety, Stress and Overwhelm, and Unlock Focus, Creativity and Joy, was a great jumping off point for this conversation. We covered how one enters a state of flow, the benefits of being in flow, and some common flow blockers. Thomas believes that most of us have experienced some trauma in our childhood that, if left unchecked or unhealed, can block us from accessing everything we want in life. He credits his two sons, ages 10 and 17, as motivation for writing the book so as to not pass on any unresolved issues to the next generation. We also discussed using pain as a trigger for practicing acceptance and gratitude and how that can help to rewire the brain. This is one fascinating conversation with Thomas Drybala, and we hope you enjoy it too. Well, Tom, welcome to the Inspired Souls podcast. We are welcoming you all the way from Poland uh, this morning slash this afternoon. How are you doing? Uh, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. And I'm really well. So I was uh, waiting a uh, whole day for you to talk. Mm-hmm. did some <laughs> a bit of running. Then I will go for a little more running uh, this afternoon. So yeah, everything is going great. I'm getting ready to my big challenge, training a lot. Everything is getting getting great. We're definitely going to want to hear a bit more about you and your running story. But what are you doing in Poland right now? I understand you're, you're doing a whole lot of running currently. That's correct. I'm actually running now... Um, shorter challenge i mean shorter challenge than most of my other challenges i'm running at current time two and a half thousand kilometers which is around 1550 miles i started running this challenge in the united kingdom from the uh, top of the scotland in a highland and then after half of the distance i came to poland to visit my uh, family and my mother just didn't let me come back to uh, United Kingdom. So <laughs> I haven't seen, I haven't been in Poland for about six years. So uh, I was forced to stay uh, in Poland. And then I, I just continue running uh, in Poland. And I'm planning to run another thousand kilometers uh, in Poland. And that's actually a great thing for me because usually I run uh, with a backpack from hotel to hotel. And now I'm coming back to my, uh, you know, uh, childhood home uh, everything is ready for me home cooking <laughs> home cooking I well I did have actually a conversation with my mom that we have to stop with that 
home cooking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to lose a few kilo before my How main challenge, go? but it's actually going the other way around. <laughs> hard, hard to get the moms to stop with the cooking. Yeah, yeah. And they always think that you're never full, that you need to eat yeah. a bit more. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's maybe rewind that clock a little bit and have you tell us just a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, so I'm basically a keynote speaker, flow and mindful running teacher, an extreme runner, but most of all, I'm the father of two amazing boys. I started running around 18, maybe 20 years ago, but uh, until 2016, I was running maximum like half an hour twice a week just to clear my mind from after the work. And then in March 2018, I started um, running really a lot. I was training for the big challenges. But before this, um, I started uh, running more in uh, um, March 2016, like five, six times uh, per week. And then in March 2018, I become a really intensive training for my first ultra running challenges. But at that time, I didn't know what it's going to be. I just know it. I want to do it. But my interest was never really in racing with people, in competing with people. I got really interested in mental health and um, aspect how we can use running to improve our mental health. And I was just looking for the solutions and the ways how to use running to improve our mental health. And was there anything personally that happened with you that, that had you become interested in, in running and mental health? Yes, I was actually struggling with anxiety, stress and overwhelm since I was a little kid. But I didn't actually know about this, that I'm struggling with this because um, I was living in a society when that was absolutely normal. Everyone felt that way. Everyone, you know, when we were talking about home situations or work or friends or school, there was always some kind of the anxiety around this. So it was quite normal for me. But in uh, uh, September 2015, I, I moved out from my family home. I wasn't living with my sons um, and, and longer my relationship collapsed. Uh, a bit early, I lost my company and I was in pretty much you know, damaged mental health um, at that time. And Christmas was coming really soon and I was terrified to spend my first Christmas on my own. I didn't want to actually to spend with the family and go over the conversations, talking again and again what's happened. So I just bought the ticket one day before the Christmas day. I just bought the ticket to Asia and I fly to Asia and I spend a month just on the empty beach. I took a few books and I was just reading, just considering what's happened in my life, what goes well, what goes not right when I need to improve. And I met a few people in Asia from um, Germany, Australia and New Zealand. And for the first time, I actually noticed the difference between how they feel about those lives and how they talk about those lives and how, how I was feeling um, all my life about this. And I decided that I just don't want to live that way any any longer, that I want to change my life. And then I really focus on my uh, mental health and on improvements in my life. So you, let's fill in some blanks here. You started running, you know, 30 minutes a day to combat stress after work. 
life significantly through you a curveball. You took some time out to think. And a few years later, you said you started some challenges, some ultra running challenges. So talk to us a bit more about that. You started running a bit more. And, and then what led you into deciding to set project style goals for yourself? And what was, was your first project? <laughs> sure. So, you know, when I, when I come back from, um, from Asia, it was February 2016, I didn't know where to start, but I decided to start changing really small things in my life, like, you know, drinking tea instead of coffee, changing t-shirts. And then I started actually noticing more patterns in my life, which was leading me to the, all those anxieties, stresses, and overwhelms. And then I decided, okay, uh, um, I need to do more exercises. Um, and I always uh, felt good after running. So I decided, okay, running is perfect for me. It's working for me. So let's uh, increase the running. And then I started running like five, six times per week, couple of hours, up to two hours, over one hour um, a day. Then there was a guy, Ross, who started swimming around uh, Great Britain. And in November 2018, he eventually finished that uh, crazy swim. He spent like, I think, 158 days or something like this in the sea. And I was following him and I said, oh gosh, if that guy can spend nearly 200 days in the water then I can do some really crazy challenges um, in my life. And then I set um, the, you know, the goal for my first challenge. Uh, I increased my training. Um, I started uh, making like 25, 30,000 steps a day, uh, which was roughly around two and a half, three hours uh, running a day. And in April 2019, I decided, okay, I'm ready. And um, I just bought the ticket from one day to another and I fly to Bali in Indonesia. And when I landed there, next day I just started uh, my challenge and the goal was to make 5 million steps in 100 days. Um, I started from making around 30, 25, 30 uh, steps a day, increasing. So I started from around 3 hours a day increasing to about 14 hours a day by the end of the challenge. I was one day late. I didn't manage in 100 days. I managed mm -hmm. in 101 days. But, you know, <laughs> when I completed 5 million steps, I knew that I can train for, for anything in life. Okay, I have a fun follow-on question to that. So you know that runners can be a little bit um, particular in terms of, I'm going to go for a 10K run and I swing back by my house and I'm at 9.9K and then I have to do the like up and down my street and my neighbors think I'm crazy. So when you got so close to doing these uh, 5 million steps in 100 days and it was actually 101, was there a small part of you that was like, darn it <laughs> i missed that goal yeah absolutely it was but uh, i was when well, this challenge was actually divided on a few stages because i was in a few different islands in asia i was just going to one beautiful place then uh, i ran around this place and then when i seen everything then i just go to another place and this way i i, I fly to like, four different countries so I lost some of the days on a, on a traveling and I divided this, oh, okay, I have to make 50,000 steps a day, uh, but then I lost some of the days. It was worth it, but yeah, by the end of the, my 
busiest day was to make 107,000 uh, step a day, which took me over 14 hours. I remember this was in Filipinas and I was pushing. It wasn't actually at the end. I was pushing because I wanted to make in a, in one month, I wanted to make over 2 million steps. And I was really pushing because it was 107,000 steps uh, missing by the end of the day. I remember I finished this by midnight. I was on the first floor on a Cebu Island and I barely can walk on this first floor. I was just helping with the with the hands to lift up my legs. But I know the <laughs> next morning it was glorious. I was the winner next morning. <laughs> so here's another fun follow-up question. You're obviously a data guy. And when you measure your runs by steps, I've got to ask, what is your cadence? How many steps per minute do you run? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know per minute. But per hour, I usually do around 10,000 steps. Okay, excellent. It's it's something as physios or as a running physio, we measure as a, it's actually one of the only measures that's been proven to really correlate with reduction of injury is a higher right. cadence. Right. And uh, even, you know, I kind of think if even if you increase your steps per minute rate by five, that multiplies over five million by like how many less days, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, I, I if I would know how hard it will be this challenge, probably I would never start it. Yeah. But when I started and it was really hard to increase the, the steps, even by five some days was really difficult to, to, to increase them. <laughs> Well, why don't you, you know, we want to definitely dive into um, some of the things that you speak about regarding mindful running and active meditation. But before we get there, I know you've done a few other pretty big challenges and have another one coming up soon. So tell us about your run across the UK and Poland as well. um, And then what's coming up? Sure. So after this five million steps, I took a three weeks break. I was still in Asia and I took three weeks break and I fly, uh, I finished the, the five million steps in Taiwan. And then I fly to Hanoi to Vietnam. And three weeks later, I started running 11,000 kilometers just with a backpack on my own. Um, and I managed to run five and a half thousand kilometers just on my own through the ocean coast to Singapore. And when I was when I arrived to Singapore, it was a March 2020, so the COVID-19 happened. And four hours before the Malaysian and Singapore borders was shut down, I managed to escape in a last boat to Indonesia, to Sumatra. And I supposed to continue running the remaining five and a half thousand kilometers, but then I got stuck in Sumatra because Indonesia was never under the full lockdown, but I couldn't move even from one village to another village. So I got stuck in a small village in Sumatra next to the jungle. People was really attacking me because they thought that I brought the COVID-19 to those uh, islands. Uh, it was the first three weeks was pretty much danger. I couldn't move from the hotel. The police was actually protecting me. And only two oh police officers uh, were speaking in, in English. And, you know, then I realized that I got stuck here for, we didn't know for how long. It was March 2020. So then I um, decided that I have to keep running and I want to keep, uh, and I want to finish this challenge. So I divided the remaining five and a half thousand kilometers on 268 half marathons. I selected a small road through the village, one road through the village and through the jungle, and police officers were talking with the 
you know, um, local people that I'm fine. I, I, I don't have actually COVID. I was just running around, waving to all the people, smiling to them. Eventually, kids started running after me and the people accepted me. And um, three months later, I could actually come back to, to London. But then I was three quarter through the challenge and I decided, okay, I'm going to finish the challenge. And in September, in August 2020, I finished the challenge and in September, I come back to finally to, to London. So I managed to finish the entire challenge, 11,000 kilometers. And then at current time, I'm running um, 2,500 kilometers. I started from the top of the Scotland uh, in March. It was really cold. It was really snowy. It was raining. It was windy. Uh, but it was great experience. The Scotland is absolutely amazing. It's, um, it's beautiful. And all of these challenges is actually the preparation for my biggest challenge to run the circumferences of the air, 40,000 kilometers, 40,075 exactly. So nearly 25,000 miles, which I'm starting on the 26th of September uh, this year. So still have nearly three months time. Okay. So for people that think, whoa, those are such big numbers. I can't even like put this into context, break it down for us. So you're going to to run 25,000 miles, approximately 40,000 kilometers starting in September, the circumference of the world. How are you going to go about doing this? Is it a certain uh, target per day that you're hitting? Are you doing it in chunks and then taking a bigger rest break? Like we're so fascinated by how you'll do this without uh, injury. (laughs) So basically, the, the entire challenge is divided on four stages. So it's um, US, United States, then is uh, um, Asia, Arabia, and uh, Europe. So the first stage is uh, 10,000 kilometers. I'm running from New York down the country to Florida, then turning towards the Mexican border, running on the other side of the United States. And when I get to San Diego, turning up again, running through the ocean coast to Seattle, so really close to Canadian border. Then I have a one-month break, um, starting the ASEAN part from uh, Hong Kong to Bali in Indonesia. That's around 13,000 kilometers. Then um, is again one-month break. I'm starting running U-shape through Arabia from Kuwait to um, Egypt. Probably the this one is going to be the hardest part because I have around 1,000 kilometers running through empty water, so really high temperature, sand, sun, and me. And then again, one-month break, and um, I'm starting from Athens, and that's the European part, so through all the European countries, through the Mediterranean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean coast to London, and then it's about only 200 kilometers in England from, from Dover to to London. Um, so the challenge is divided on four stages, but during all those stages, because I have a two sons in London, so I need to see them, they need those father. Um, so all um, uh, half terms um, I'm off. We have a five half terms in the United Kingdom. So for each, um, for three, I'm off for one week and for two, I'm off for two weeks. And also, um, you know, um, I divide the, the running on a weeks, days, hours, and minutes. So my main focus is actually on a 15 minutes. And that's how I pass all my previous challenges. 
and this is how I plan to pass 40,000 kilometers. I don't think about 40,000 kilometers. I don't even think about 75 kilometers, which I will do daily. For me, it's important 2,500 kilometers, which I have uh, for the next 15 minutes. Then my brain releases a bit of dopamine because I hit uh, the target. I'm the winner. I can keep running again another 15 minutes. And that's my main focus. I'm running Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday my, is my day off, uh, recovery day. Then Thursday and Friday. And Saturday and Sunday is my um, recovery day. And on, on those four days, I'm running 75 kilometers each day, so 300 kilometers per week. And I divided this because of my knowledge of the flow state and because we are going through the cycle of flow. And this is how the flow is working for me. So the flow stages, I'm passing flow stages um, on a daily basis and, and, you know, and on those two days sequence, then is a recovery, which is part of the flow stage. And then it's again um, running and again recovery. So, you know, when you think it's a 40,000 kilometers, but when you think about this, it's only two and a half, two and a half kilometers, which I have to pass. Okay, so you've just given us kind of the perfect segue into the why of why you're doing this run. And then you, you brought up flow state. So let's let's start going down that, um, um, I don't want to call it a rabbit hole, topic a little bit more. So what, you know, what is flow state? Tell us a bit more about what made you even aware of it in the first place. Oh, there is a there is a really interesting, funny story about uh, how I get uh, at the beginning to the state of, uh, state of flow because I didn't know even the word. I didn't have idea that such a thing uh, exists before I started running. But I discovered state of flow when I was running through Asia. And, you know, when you live in Poland or United Kingdom in London, you don't see snakes. It's not something what you have this on a daily basis. And um, when I was running to Asia, the snakes was absolutely everywhere. When you're going to Asia just for holiday, you don't see this. But when you're running through the small roads, through the jungle, through the villages or through the fields, the snakes are absolutely everywhere. So I was worried, afraid of the snakes because a few times I almost stepped on a snake. My um, problem was that I always kind of felt anxious. I was worrying about the future, dwelling in the past, what happens. And I was afraid that the same things will not happen uh, again in the future. And, um, you know, when you dwell, you don't really think, you don't see what is in front of you. And a few times I step almost in a snake, on, on a snake. So I couldn't dwell on the past. I couldn't worry about the future any longer. So I start really paying attention to where I'm putting my feet. And at some point, I started running like crazy distances, like 60, 70, 80, 100 kilometers. And I repeat this one day, second day, third day, second week. And not only this, I just was really focused after the running. I could, I was running with my laptop in the backpack. I could open my laptop and work for hours uh, later. And I was like, you know, what the hell is happening to me? Why I feel that way and why all of this is so effortless for me. I mean, it was still heavy physical activity. I was still tired, but I was able to do all of these things and it was extremely enjoyable. So I started searching and then I discovered that I'm actually getting into the state of flow. And thanks to paying attention to the snakes, 
because I was starting getting into, you know, the deep now, into the deep present moment. I wasn't dwelling on the past, worrying about the future any longer. And this was getting me into the state of flow. So for me, the definition of the flow, there is a lot of different definition of the flow, but for me, the definition of the flow is extremely simple. Is the time when you are fully focused on performing activity, wherever, wherever you do, because you don't have to be runner to, to get into the state of flow. For me, it started from running, but then I converted this actually into all areas of my life. Okay, so now you can get into the like you it almost sounds like you accidentally fell into it, right? Through this whole That's correct. story with the snake. Like nothing like a snake to get you really <laughs> into the present moment. <laughs> uh, but as you're saying, like you you can actually take those principles because all it is is you're paying attention in this moment. So you can be in flow when you're washing the dishes. Correct. Yes. Right? And so you've just, so how did it go from kind of stumbling into this, like we just said, to actually teaching it through your books and your workshops? Sure. So when when I discovered the state of flow and I realized how powerful it is, I started learning about this more. And, you know, like last year I read 24 books about the subject. So I was just consuming that knowledge. And it was one of the issues with flow rest, um, uh, resolve it for me because I was always struggling with focus because of my anxiety, stress, and overwhelm. I could, you know, open the book, read uh, the same page for, you know, 10 times, and I still still didn't know what is on the page. So when I started getting into the state of flow, my, you know, learning skills exploded. I was just consuming the uh, knowledge. So then I started, um, you know, trying, recognizing the patterns for flow, what is actually getting me into the, the flow. And then I discovered that I'm actually practicing mindful running and active meditation because all of this, what I was doing along the way of my running road, that was actually mindfulness. So then when I realized, okay, it's mindfulness, I started learning about mindfulness and I started trying lots of different techniques. And then, you know, I become really brave. There was actually no limits for me. At some point when I passed like 1,000 kilometers through the second challenge, that 11,000 kilometers, when I passed 1,000 kilometers, I just shortlisted 300 journalists in the United Kingdom. And I sent to all of them emails. And, you know, that was an unbelievable step for me because I would never do this before. But I just feel like I can just do it. I can just send the emails to them. And only three journalists responded, but one of them was uh, Red Bull. And Red Bull wrote the article about me. And the whole article was about the mental health because that was actually what what was important to me. And after this article, a lot of people started sending me questions on social media, how I do this, how is it working, so, you know, when I seen the interest, I was almost arriving to Thailand and I shortlisted uh, nearly 170 universities in Thailand and I sent the, I created a program and I sent the emails to uh, 56 universities and I got booked for 20 universities in Thailand. So I was just running with a backpack. I was like, you know, full of energy, like full of passion. And I couldn't stop talking about this with anyone I met along the way. 
I was just running with a backpack from one university to another. I, I get the wings after the Red Bull article. Um, and um, I sent the next countries was the Malaysia and Singapore. I did the same what I did in Thailand and I got booked for 34 universities in, in Malaysia and Singapore. So it was, you know, like really crazy things started happening uh, in my life. And it was, you know, later I discovered that when you get to the flow, your productivity rise like 500%, that your creativity rise even like 700%, that your um, learning skills increase by 490%, that the problem-solving skills um, increase like 430%. So, but I learned about this later, Uh, when I read all those books and all of this actually started happening uh, to me and because I was like extremely passionate about this so you know people was really listening to me and that's how I uh, you know get to teaching about mindfulness It, it just started from taking care about my own mental health I was you know struggling with anxiety and at some point I learned that all the anxieties was, in my case, um, the result of a few uh, traumatic experiences in which I did have in my childhood. And at some point, I learned that if you uh, didn't heal your traumatic experiences, you may pass this um, on the next generation. And I didn't want to pass this on my sons. Uh, so I said, okay, whatever my, I, I discovered that the anxiety was for you know generations in my family. And I said, okay, um, my sons are uh, at current time, they are 10 and 17. It was like three years ago. Whatever I pass on them, I pass, but I can teach them how they can heal from this. And the cycle is ending with me. So then the motivation was really easy because, you know, when you do something for your kids, you don't actually need any, any sort of the motivation. And because of my passion, people were also really listening to me. And, um, you know, and, and that's how I got into teaching. <laughs> I am just fascinated. I'm spellbound. So my my burning question in my mind, and I'm sure many of our listeners are wondering the same thing, is how? So I, I know that's a, a huge question. And you've written a whole book on the subject, which is coming out in January of 2023, by the way. Yes. Um, but can you give us a little... Um, Cole's notes version of how in the world one achieves flow state. Let's start with in running. Like, are there some sure. actual tips that somebody could use today to start trying to move in the direction of, of, of mindful running? Sure. So let me start from explaining how I actually um, get rid of anxieties and what the, what the uh, flow changed for me. So in a few words, I will explain what is happening when we get actually into the state of flow. Because when we get into the state of flow, the prefrontal cortex, the front of our brain, is shooting down. And then we are getting into the deep now. And then when the prefrontal cortex is shooting down, the whole nervous system is resetting in our body. When the whole nervous system is resetting, then all our anxieties, stresses, and you know, overwhelms disappears, and we are like starting fresh, from, starting from from the beginning. The time is calculated in prefrontal cortex. So when the brain is shooting down, when the prefrontal cortex is shooting down, the brain cannot separate any more past from present and from the future. So we are not dwelling any longer on the past. We are not worrying about the future. We are just in the present present moment. 
and a sense of self. Wherever we was believing about ourselves, about our limitation, when the prefrontal cortex shoots down, we are forgetting about this. We're stopping criticizing ourselves. We're stopping doubting ourselves. That's how I started running all those crazy distances because there was no any longer such a thing in my in you know in my brain that I cannot do it because there was just resetting. So I did have to prove to myself again that I cannot do it, but I was actually proving that I can um, doing. So we're literally getting out of our way. So there is no one. Um, you know, like a secret magic formula to get into the state of flow. You can create conditions, but you still don't have the guarantee that you can get into the state um, of flow. And you can actually not chase the state of flow because if you chase this, if you try to train to get into the state of flow, you will never get to the state of flow. So what you have to focus on and what kind of the conditions uh, you have to create. So the first thing is that the flow can exist only in the present moment when your full focus, full attention is on the here and now. And to to create the conditions for flow, you have to first of all, as a runner, you have to first of all do what you love, which I presume... Uh, is running and then you have to set clear goals so you know when you're going for a run and you have in mind that okay i want to run a few kilometers today i will see how i will feel and then when i finish when i feel good i will come back home this is abstract goal this is not a concrete goal this is not a flow inducing goal but if you're going for a run and you're planning okay i'm gonna run one hour in a certain piece this is a concrete goal. This is a flow-inducing goal. Or if you're going for a run, because I, in my case, I don't care about the speed. Um, I care about the distance. For me, it's important how far I will run on a daily basis. And that's how I setting, I'm setting up my goals. So, you know, when you go for a run and you set, I don't know, 10 kilometers or 50 kilometers or 75 kilometers, this is a flow-inducing uh, goal. The second condition is a... Challenge skill balance, because you have to balance this. The ideal, the sweet spot for achieving flow is when your challenge is 4% bigger than your skills. So let's say that you're running 10 kilometers a day and you feel comfortable with this, but uh, you are going for a race for, let's say, 14 kilometers, which is 4% more. So this is the biggest chance that you can achieve a flow because you do something what you are passionate about and the challenge is challenging you actually is is, is causing the effort because the the challenge is slightly bigger than your um, skills so um, if the challenge is too big if you run 10 kilometers and you set yourself to run 30 kilometers a day this may overwhelm you you may start feeling anxious and you will not get to the flow. Also, the other way around, if the challenge is lower than your skills, then you get bored and you will more likely not get into the state of flow. And the third condition is the uh, feedback, the interior and exterior feedback, because, you know, we have to um, adjust our goals because one week is not the same. Running on one week is not the same like running on the other week. Some of the weeks I feel really strong. I'm passing 70 kilometers and I feel like oh, I can still run. 
Other weeks, I'm uh, other days, I'm running 40 kilometers, and this is challenging for me. So we have to adjust our goals, and we have to set our goals. In case of running, to explain this um, visually, in case of racing, for example, of competing, when you when you race, run a race, you can feel really strong. You have a person in front of you, and so you're getting the feedback. You feel strong. You you feel you can uh, speed up, increase your pace. Uh, you see the person in front of you, so you're setting quickly goal to pass this person. And this is flow-inducing goal, flow-inducing uh, feedback and, you know, the challenge skill balance. Then you pass this person, you feel, oh, damn, I'm really strong today. And then you set another goal. And this is, again, the flow-inducing goal. So, again, you have a feedback, you have a challenge skill balance, and you have clear uh, goal in front of you and this way you can just jump from you know one flow to another flow to another flow and that's actually the macro flows because we can have a micro flows which happens on a daily basis in a small runs and all other activities as you mentioned before even through when we clean a house and the macro flows are the those connected with the peak performance Okay, I love this. So you've really given us like a clear uh, pathway almost to being able to access this state. And and like you said, and, and even like you experienced in your own life, like we're often blocked from this yeah. through our prefrontal cortex, all our thinking, our worrying about the future and ruminating about the past and yada, yada, yada. So can you, um, just as clearly as you described how to get into the state, can you describe a few things that may block us from being in the flow state? Sure. So uh, as I said, that um, you can get into the flow only when your focus is on uh, here and now, on the present moment, when your full focus is on what is happening at, at the current time. So you know, the problem is, uh, as you said, um, uh, you know, every human have between forty to 70,000 thoughts a day. And, uh, you know, all those thoughts are happening in our back mind, in, in our subconscious mind. So let's say on the back of our head. So we don't really know that all those thoughts are happening, but they are happening. And we have to understand that this is our biology. That's how the human is shaped. That's how our brain is working. And we cannot um, change this. So the problem is that if the big part of those thoughts are negative or criticizing ourselves, you know, it may cause the feeling of anxiety, stress, and uh, overwhelm. And this is one of the biggest flow blockers. The second one, uh, and that's kind of the, my uh, specialty, and that's what most of my book is about, is the unhealed traumatic experiences. Because, you know, we are humans, and uh, you know, we have a lot of experiences since the day when we was born. And I'm not talking about the experiences such as like, I don't know, experience the war or uh, the death of uh, parents or caregivers or living in a violent uh, society or having a problem with the domestic violence in your family. Of course, that's the um, traumatic experiences, but the traumatic experiences are also really simple. So it's a thing like being questioned by your teacher at the age of, I don't know, age and saying something silly your classmates start laughing and you close yourself and this may have a really dramatic effect on the entire life um, on your adulthood so you know the traumatic experiences are really simple and when i talk with the people most of them are saying oh 
that's not touching me. That's not true. We all have traumatic experiences. Every single human have a traumatic experiences. And, you know, for example, the injury when you are a kid and you run and you fall down and you break your knee, you completely forget about this. But this may actually prevent you from running because it just stays somewhere on the back of your mind and you don't think about this at all. So I can again explain here how the brain is um, working with those traumatic experiences. I like to give the example of the lion and um, visualization. So our brain doesn't recognize the difference between the reality and visualization. So um, if we see the lion in front of us, or if something triggers that painful traumatic experience from our past, which we didn't even know about this experience, then our brain to both of those events responds exactly the same way. So um, is a, a fight or flight response of the brain. So that simply means that if you see the lion in front of you, or if something was triggering traumatic experience, then your brain is sending the signal to your body about the danger in front of you. So the body receives the signal and the body tightens. You know, there was a feeling which I felt for the most of my life. I felt like I have a crunched fist inside my stomach. And sometimes that fist was like really crunching, squeezing when those anxieties and stresses were stronger. And sometimes was not squeezing and holding me that much, but this fist was always holding me inside. So that was the time when my brain was sending the signal to the body caused by those traumatic experiences and my body was tightened. And when I when the body tightens, body doesn't know what it tightens, it just sends the, the danger. And then the body is sending signal back to the brain about the danger in front of us. The brain got the signal from the body and is sending back to the body. And we are getting into the vicious cycle. Um, and we are, you know, tightening, tighten and um, feel anxiety, feel stress, feel overwhelmed. Now, we can break the signal by simply talking with someone or, I don't know, going swimming or going for a drink with someone or, I don't know, watching a movie or meditating. And it's great. But if we didn't uh, heal that um, traumatic experience, the feeling will come back and the trigger will come back again and again and again and again. But sometimes when the body tightens, when the brain sends the signal, then it actually doesn't release. And this is what happened in my case, that for nearly 40 years, I was feeling anxious almost about everything what was happening uh, in my life. And you know, when you remember when we are getting into the state of flow, then the, rest, the nervous system is, is resetting. So um, that's what started breaking my uh, anxiety, stresses, and uh, overwhelms. So how we can resolve this, the solution is very simple with mindfulness. And this is what I practice, the mindful running and active meditation. And this is what I teach people that thanks to mindfulness, thanks to creating the mental space, when we have a bit of time and we can, um, you know, uh, think that, okay, the, the thoughts or emotional things which are happening inside us, that's just the events. We don't have to respond to all of them. So we have that a bit of time to get mental space and we can break the cycle and then 
starting creating the conditions for flow. So this way we can starting removing flow blockers. And you know, when you practice mindful running active meditation, you become more and more and more aware of, of your body, mind, thoughts, emotions. You're starting really understanding that you have a physical pain, you have emotional pain, you have a mental pain, and all those pains are generated in your body. But then when you become conscious about your body, mind, and emotions, that you're really starting recognizing those um, emotions and thoughts and feelings, and, and you can heal them. You're really starting to understand where is this coming from, and you can just heal them, and then you can start removing those uh, flow blockers and start creating the conditions for flow. Wow. Okay. So... Just to summarize a little bit of what you've said there, you know, initially when you first started talking about your healing journey and your experience into mindfulness and flow state, it almost sounded like it was, it was the flow state that actually healed you. But you're telling me that those traumas will block you from getting to flow state. You can use mindfulness, so almost a precursor to the flow state to identify and you know, confront and heal the traumatic experiences, which then allows you to get into flow state rather than it being the end result that produces the healing. Is that what I'm hearing that's, correctly? That's, that's correct. Yeah. So, you know, the time when I was starting focusing on the snakes, I was actually yeah. practicing mindfulness at that time. I was actually practicing right. mindful running active meditation because, you know, the mindfulness is all about the focusing on the present moment awareness. And then when I, when all those anxieties uh, started disappearing, I started getting into the state of flow, which was again restarting, resetting the nervous system. So it was kind of the, I don't know, supporting the mindfulness. Um, and then all those anxieties and stresses and overwhelms was disappearing even you know faster. And um, I started being more conscious and aware of my body, mind, and feelings and emotions. Fascinating. Now, you were saying that a lot of this lives in the body, right? Like you'll know that you're experiencing uh, overwhelm or anxiety or stress somehow because of the knot in your stomach or the tense shoulders. And, And so there's clues in the body is what it sounds like. Right. And so I think sometimes people don't want to go there. Like becoming mindful of a discomfort is like against our human nature. A lot of the times we would rather uh, drink something or eat something or take this drug or whatever so that we don't have to feel that. So what do you say to people that, that push back against it? Like, I don't want to go into that discomfort. What is your response to somebody who may uh, be sort of timid about being mindful of something that's uncomfortable? Sure. You know, the, the truth is that when you start practicing mindfulness, um, then it's a bit overwhelming at the beginning. The first thing is that you, you're starting feeling uncomfortable because you are touching painful memories. And this is all coming back. And, you know, I did have a plenty of runs, even the whole weeks when I was crying. I mean, I'm like 44 years old now, but I was crying like a little baby the whole week because there was so many painful memories coming back. And because, you know, I... I practice this and I, then I keep remit, re- repeating to myself, don't push it back, don't push it back, accept it, take it. You know, you have to just go through this. That's the, yeah. the whole life is on the other side. 
yes, it's painful, yes, it's uncomfortable, but if you don't want to feel that way, you have to pass it, you have to go on the other side. You know, I have a I have a formula, and I talk about this um, in my book, that I actually manage to, because, you know, the brain is doing what what you visualize eyes. So I'm actually very, I'm actually imagining that when all these negative things happening, and I'm still discovering the you know the traumas. You know the traumas may happen. I'm 44 years old, but it doesn't protect me from trauma. You know yesterday may happen trauma. A week ago may happen uh, trauma. You know we may lose a client. Uh, someone may say to us something uh, painful. Um, and, and this is trauma for us. We we pretend that is not touching us, but this is not true. Is every single mm. word like this is some some kind of the touching us? So you know what I what I actually do? I'm creating the visualization in my mind, and and this is really happening. Is is really going through me uh, that way? That when all those negative feelings, emotions, that uncomfortable feelings starting generating inside me i'm imagining like it, there's a stone big huge stone inside me and then when i run when i focus on the present moment i'm kind of the pushing the stone from the top of my head down to the legs and i really feel like the stone is moving throughout my body and then at some point my legs becomes extremely heavy like i cannot move them any longer and then i'm just saying to myself okay i'm gonna push it now and i'm gonna remove the stone the stone to the ground and i'm gonna ground myself and i'm pushing that run is really heavy extremely heavy and i'm pushing and pushing and then it's the release and i imagine okay that stone go out from me i'm free from these emotions mm-hmm. and you know the acceptance when you feel something uncomfortable i just don't try to push it away from you from you just say okay that's of course I did have, if you already know what was, what kind of the uh, traumatic experience it was, just say to yourself, okay, I accept this. Uh, this was traumatic experience um, uh, in my life and I want to go through this. I acknowledge, I understand that um, I need to go through healing process. I'm simply saying to my to myself, I'm, I'm treating my brain like a separate human inside my body and i'm just saying to myself okay brain i know i feel you i hear you we are healing now we will go through the process of healing we will be fine and then when you accept this when you don't resist those negative feelings those that overwhelm that resistance if you don't resist that resistance which is coming to you it's just disappearing. Um, that's the beauty of mindfulness. That as soon as you accept, then it disappears. You know, when it's showing in a physical pain, I allocate a physical pain as a as a trigger from for gratefulness. So if I have that physical pain, then I challenge myself to find three positive things. And each time that needs to be different things. So let's say I feel a knee pain. And then I'm saying, okay, I'm running uh, 40 kilometers today. Of course, I'm going to feel a bit of pain, but that's not actually the injury pain. 
is a, is a mental pain because I'm getting a bit uh, tired. So my brain is sending signal to my body that the body is getting tired. But I don't recognize this as an injury pain. I accept, but I still want to run another 20 uh, kilometers. So I'm grateful that I pass already 40 kilometers or 10 kilometers. I'm grateful that I see that beautiful tree in front of me. And I'm grateful that I'm training third day um, uh, this week. And, you know, the anxiety disappears and actually the pain really disappears. And if the pain comes back a bit later, because it will probably come back, then you repeat. But then you're looking for another three gratefulness things. And what is happening? You're reframing your mind. You target your mind with looking for the positive patterns which are associated with the with the pain. So then you don't think negatively. Your mind loves patterns and the mind will, if you train this, your mind will repeat this in the future. Yes. This is one thing that I think as you move into ultra running and going longer distances, you have to learn and you have to naturally learn how to be grateful for the suffering in some ways. Um, I want to go back to what you said about the stone for a moment, that's kind of stuck in my mind. So the analogy of pushing a stone through your body, right? You didn't talk about pushing a boulder ahead of you as you ran, right? Which is exhausting, pushing it away. You talked about still accepting that that boulder, that stone is there and it moved through your body. So even though there was some discomfort and some energy needed to move that boulder through your body, that was the direction you took it rather than away from you. And I think that's a perfect visualization. So let's move a little bit before we close into talking about your book here. So Mm -hmm. you've given us a real teaser, a real, you know, taste of what one might find in this book that you've written called Flow Up, Get Rid of Anxiety, Stress and Overwhelm and Unlock Focus, Creativity and Joy. Now, who wouldn't want that first off. Um, second off, is there anything more you'd like to tell us about your book and um, yeah, how one can find it? Um, right. So the book will uh, go live on the 10th of um, January. So uh, at the time when all the people starting new years, setting new goals, um, then uh, book will go live and everyone can buy this. At current time, you can actually sign up to receive the email with the information when the book um, is available to, to pre-order. I wrote the entire book based on my experiences And I actually wrote the entire book for my two sons. Because as I said, my biggest worries was that I'm going to pass all those anxieties, stress and overwhelm on them. And because I'm running some really crazy distances, uh, you know, on the road next to the cars. So my biggest worries was that, okay, maybe something will happen to me and I'm not going to be able to pass all this knowledge to, to them. And that was the reason for how I write the book. So, you know, I wrote the book for my two sons. If they're going to read this book, I'm already successful. Um, because, you know, the secret of the brain is that if um, for any reason, when we are kids and we felt um, anxious, stressed, overwhelmed because of the situation in school, because of the situation with friends or with the family, with the society, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. If we felt anxious, if our brain pick up that um, anxious feeling as a familiar feeling, 
then the brain works in the patterns. The brain will keep um, repeating this and we will subconsciously create, uh, know, design our life the way how we will always get to that feeling of anxiety, stress um, and uh, overwhelm. So, you know, the, my book is uh, the guide how to heal all those traumatic past experiences, wherever it was, through mindful running and active meditation and how to open the space for the flow and get rid of anxiety and get into the state of flow, open to the creativity, focus um, and joy in life. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned early. You mentioned your sons a few times during this interview. Now, I have to imagine that even before the book comes out for them to read, that they have observed you as as maybe a, a bit of a different person today than you were five, ten years ago, right? And so, what what do you think that they have learned from watching your journey and seeing you take on these huge challenges? Sure. So, you know, my my older son is 17 years old and um, he's not really into mindfulness (laughs) and active (laughs) meditation and, you know, really spending a lot of time with his father. Um, But the the younger one, so I hope, you know, maybe another couple of years for him and um, uh, he will understand this more. Um, what I'm actually doing and why I why I'm doing all of this, what I'm doing. But the younger one, the ten years old, he's copying from me absolutely everything. We meditate together, we practice gratefulness together, we uh, um, practice the positive affirmations. So um, one of the things, you know, the, the kids now, the most of the time they spend in front of the TV or the computer playing games. One of the greatest things which I heard so fast so far from my younger son was that when we was walking, um, we are setting up the challenges for ourselves. Our record is to pass 19 kilometers on one day. And at some point uh, we was walking through the coast in Wales in, in United Kingdom, and he wanted to go the more difficult way. Uh, through the coast because he said that that's more fun and that's more interesting. I was like, yes, yes, <laughs> he's getting this. He's not choosing the most easy way of life, but he knows that if something is more difficult, it's more enjoyable and gives him more satisfaction. So yeah, they they slowly picking up. Yeah. yeah. And I would say even for your 17-year-old son, who maybe at the moment doesn't appear to be too, too interested, yeah. he, he will. He'll come around. Like he, your influence for sure will be um, felt for, for many, many years to come. So I, I have yeah. no doubt and I'm sure it will be like this. And this is what, what drives me, you know, to, to run the next challenge and talk with all those people and do all those events. So, yeah. Before we wrap this episode up, is there anything, you know, any final thoughts, any anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm running the, the next big challenge, that 40,000 kilometers. I'm running with a message. And um, the message is that I believe that each of us should have the same chance to be the life we are proud to live, regardless of our past experiences. So, you know, that's my message to people that wherever you experience in life, you can heal from it. 
you can uh, you know be whoever you want to be you can achieve in life whatever you want to achieve and you can actually learn whatever you want to learn and um, when you feel those moments of doubt that's actually the time when you have to push it and when you have to go that way yeah um, amazing message and if people wanted to follow along with you on this epic journey are you on social media is there a website where can we join your events if uh if we're close by Sure, yes. Um, there is a website and I'm mostly active on uh, Instagram. But actually, when I will start running, we will have the production team with us because we are recording the documentary movie. So we have production team with us 24 hours a day. So all my, all actually social media will be very um, active uh, from, from mid of September or end of uh, September. Okay, well, well, we'll link to your Instagram in our show notes. Then. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on Inspired Souls podcast today, Tom. It has been inspiring, enlightening, and very encouraging to listen to you. So um, good luck with with your run around the world starting in, in just a couple short months. And thank you for sharing what you've learned with us this evening. Thank you so much for having me.